I want to turn over, if I can, this morning to the third chapter of the book of John. And, uh, and we've been talking here some over the course of several months now. You know, boy, the year gets going fast, doesn't it? I mean, it's March. And, uh, but we've been talking over several Sundays here about, you know, scriptures that require an answer. And we talked some about predestination, election, and those type of things. We even talked one Sunday about the purpose of God, that God had a purpose in what he was uh, uh, carrying out. It wasn't just random. Uh, God actually uh, intended to save a people, and he came and saved the people. And uh, it was according to his purpose and according to his will. Uh, as we look at, uh, at this portion of Scripture this morning in the third chapter of the book of John, uh, all of this Scripture should be very familiar to the folks that I'm looking at this morning that are, uh, have been uh, somewhat regular in church uh, over the years. Uh, but Lord willing, we'll just take a look at some things again because one of the things that I know is we look at Scripture. Scripture uh, needs, uh, uh, one, it needs to be rightly divided and understood. And if we don't understand the context of it, you can begin to see how so many people, uh, good intention, godly people, uh, born again, saved of God, can look at a scripture, but they put. And if you pull it out of out of context, then the next thing you know, you can make it mean anything the speaker wants to make it mean. Almost now, I would I would not be honest with you if I didn't say. Has Charles ever done something like that? Why, of course I have, and uh, somewhere along the way. Uh, but my desire as we look at this this morning would be that we understand the setting and what Jesus was teaching, okay? So, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This is a state, statement Jesus made in the course of a discourse to a fellow by the name of Lazarus who'd come to him by night. Uh, Lazarus was one of the uh, leaders, uh, of the ruler, uh, a ruler of the Jews and one of the leaders, uh, no doubt a uh, historical reference says, maybe of the Sanhedrin, uh, of, those, uh, of those Jewish leaders of Jerusalem, a Pharisee. Uh, during his day. And Jesus, if we go back into the second chapter of the book of John, uh, we'll find Jesus had come to Jerusalem during the Passover. Uh, during the time of the Passover, he had performed uh, many, he had driven, first of all, he had driven uh, the uh, money changers out of the, uh, out of the temple, uh, chased out the sheep and the oxen and those things that they were trading and doing there at that place. Uh, and he also had healed many people. Uh, and it says, as we began to get to the 23rd verse of that second chapter, it says, Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover in the feast day, many believed in his name, and when they saw the miracles, which he did. There were many that came to believe because of the miracles that Jesus Christ performed. And I'll tell you, uh, many of us may have uh, come to believe somewhere along the way because of God's grace and mercy and miracles in our lives that we've seen, not just the hearing of the gospel, uh, but maybe some other extraordinary something that's happened. I'd say uh, the Apostle Paul came to believe because of a miracle that happened in his life when God struck him down on the road to Damascus. But he said, Jesus was at, the, at Jerusalem and many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did, but Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men. And needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. Jesus didn't, didn't just come out and reveal who he was as the Messiah. Many came to believe in him, but he didn't just come. And the reason he didn't was because <coughs> he, 
he knew man's hearts. He knew that many maybe had seen something in him, uh, and maybe they just believed because, the, you know, there were those that followed him just because of the fishes and the loaves, uh, because they had their bellies filled and so forth. But he says, as we moved from this over into the third chapter, it says there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, or master, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Now, so we have the setting here in the end of chapter, second chapter of John. There were many that came to believe on him because of the miracles. But Jesus didn't reveal himself to them during this time. And then a ruler of the, of the Jews, a Pharisee by the name of Nicodemus, comes to him and says, Rabbi or Master, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. We recognize there's something special about you because of all the miracles that you do. Uh, but uh, for no man could do this except God be with him. Uh, and Jesus answered him and answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom. Uh, we begin here to have a, uh, this is one of just uh, three verses, I think, in the scripture where the born again phrase is even used. We find it over in First uh, Peter chapter 1 uh, where it says being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed, uh, even the word of, uh, which liveth and abideth forever. Uh, many times, you know, sometimes I, I love our King James Bible, I, you know, just to say that. Uh, but that doesn't mean every single thing is perfect. I believe over there in First Peter they would have been well advised to put a capital W over there that that word that we were born of is not the word as in Scripture, but as in the Jesus Christ is the word that liveth and abideth forever, which we're born by, okay? Uh, but anyway, be that as it may, uh, he tells us here, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, and that, be, and that word phrase, born again, means born from above. Uh, in fact, what he's talking about here is spiritual birth. Uh, it's talking about being born of the Spirit. Uh, and he goes on and tells us that right below that. But being born from above, he says, except a man be born again or born from above, he cannot see the kingdom. Now, the kingdom takes many shapes and many forms, uh, but I'm going to tell you, you can't see the kingdom in any of its forms or any of its shapes uh, unless you've been born again first. Uh, it, takes the, <coughs> it takes being spiritually alive. Uh, as Paul says in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the natural man doesn't know these things, but the spiritual man does. And so as we, as we look at this this morning, I want us to bear in mind the overall context of what's taking place. A man who's come to Jesus by night. Uh, he's inquiring and telling Jesus, uh, Jesus, we know you're a man come from God. I believe, by the way, he wouldn't have known that he was a man come from God that he, unless there had also been something worked in Nicodemus. Uh, and Nicodemus was, didn't know what it was that was working in him. And Jesus begins to try to explain this to him uh, in as simple terms as he knew how. And you know, many times we look at natural examples 
Uh, there, are, there are all types of examples throughout the scripture where you can compare the natural to the spiritual. And the spiritual and the natural won't maybe exactly look like each other, but there's enough similarity where you can get the lesson. Uh, that's the reason he uses examples like we are the sheep of his pasture. Uh, while we're not literally sheep this morning, uh, uh, but we are in a sense we have a lot of characteristics of sheep. Uh, uh, sometimes we're not too bright. Sometimes we're not too smart. Uh, we all herd together and we need to stay together. And when we wander off from the fold, we're liable to get in trouble uh, uh, and be consumed by the old wolves of this world out there that prey on sheep. So he tells us here, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom. You won't see, uh, the Bible says uh, uh, that the church is one part of the visible kingdom. The kingdom is also uh, where Christ is in heaven, uh, seated on the right hand of the throne of God. But the Bible also tells us in the book of Luke uh, that the kingdom of heaven is within you. Uh, why is that? Because Christ is within you. Uh, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So the kingdom is within you. Uh, as we're assembled together, uh, the kingdom is uh, us together assembled together in a called out group. So you have the, the kingdom, which is the visible kingdom of the church, but then you also have the invisible kingdom, which is above, which one day we'll reign and glory, be uh, glorified in. Uh, I heard a fellow say this one time. Uh, I believe it's good. Uh, so I'll, I'll say this. Uh, the king, uh, the kingdom is where the king is. Uh, so uh, uh, we could be the gathered together group, uh, group of people as a church this morning, but if Christ is not our king, the kingdom might not really be here with us this morning. So every group of people gathered together, if you don't see Jesus Christ as your King of kings and Lord of lords, he might not be reigning where you are. Uh, but I can tell you, uh, Christ in you through the new birth, being born again, the kingdom is within you. Jesus said it was, and if Jesus said it was, I believe it is. Uh, so uh, the kingdom is within you, and you cannot see what this kingdom is and how it functions and how it works unless you've been born again first by the Spirit of God. So Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he's old? Now, you know, me and you might look in today's context of what we've been taught over the years and what we know about scriptures and say, well, now that was the dumbest question I ever heard in my life. But you've got to realize Nicodemus is being taught something here uh, that had never been taught before. Uh, it was a new revelation to him. Uh, and as a church today, some 2,000 years later, you know, today being born again and being, you know, is a big thing out there with everybody. We'll talk about how some people think it comes about. Uh, but we're going to talk about what Scripture says how it comes about uh, uh, for you and me. So he says, uh, Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? So Nicodemus wasn't getting the fact that it's a spiritual birth. He was thinking in terms of Jesus saying you've got to be born again literally. And so uh, Jesus goes on and says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom. 
Now, you can do this, you can do this research yourself. You don't have to take my word for it. Uh, but I can tell you, the water here, unlike what some people teach, is not water baptism. Uh, uh, and it's not talking about natural birth. Uh, I could, we could turn over this morning, if we did, uh, over to this same uh, book of John to the fourth chapter. Jesus meets a woman, a Samaritan woman at the well. Uh, she, uh, uh, she gives him a drink of water. Uh, and Jesus tells her that if you had known who was speaking to you, he said, he would, I would have given you living waters. In fact, it would have been a well of water springing up out of you unto eternal life. Uh, uh, that water is representative of the Spirit of God. And so, as we think about it, the Jews understood this. Obviously, the Samaritans understood this. Uh, and also, when we look up this word and uh, in the Scriptures, uh, that word and can also mean even of... So it doesn't necessarily mean like and a conjunction connecting two separate things. Uh, it can be read like this, I believe, to say, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water, even of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Uh, uh, so this entering into the kingdom, he's echoing here that spiritual birth or being born again by the Spirit uh, has to happen first or you can't enter into the kingdom and you can't see the kingdom. That which is born of flesh is flesh. We go right back, Jesus goes right back to the first chapter of the book of Genesis and says everything brings forth after his own kind. It doesn't matter whether we're talking about man or animal or bird or, or creeping thing or fishes or fowls of the air. Everything brings forth after his own kind. Uh, you and I, when we have children, we've got these grandchildren here and our children here and so forth that are spread out across the congregation. Uh, they have little Latin, little natural children, uh, little sinners, uh, uh, because we're all in the image of our father Adam, uh, uh, being uh, having a sin nature because of him. And so as much as I love all these sweet little darling children, uh, I know one thing, they're sinners uh, uh, born that way. Uh, in need of a Savior, uh, just like uh, anyone that's going to be uh, in heaven one fair day. Uh, so he says, uh, that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. He's teaching us a principle here. Uh, I believe that the Spirit of God is the principal architect and instrument, whatever word, if I don't get my words correct, I'll just, it, is the, it is the one that brings about spiritual life because only the Spirit can beget spirit. Uh, you and I don't have that ability. We have the ability to bring forth natural life. And he, so, so he teaches uh, Nicodemus here, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel not, don't be amazed, Nicodemus, that I say unto you, you must be born again. Don't, don't get up. You know, today, uh, being born again has become the amazement. You must be born again. What have I got to do? <laughs> oh, uh, uh, you, you've got to believe. You've got to have faith. You, you've got to confess. Uh, you've got to come down front and pray. This. We are marveling over the action of being born again. And he says, don't marvel at being born again because it's not something you can do. <laughs> uh, so he says, uh, marvel not that I say unto thee, you must be born again. Uh, the wind bloweth where it listeth. Thou hearest the sound thereof, and but canst not tell whence it cometh or whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Everybody that's ever been born of the Spirit 
is born exactly the same way. The Spirit blows and moves where it listeth, where it sendeth, where God sends it to. Uh, and no man know what, knows whether it comes or whether it goes. Now, if it was necessary here to believe, to be born again, uh, so you, or, or to have faith first, which we know faith is a fruit of the Spirit, uh, but if it was necessary to believe, uh, to confess, to have faith... It seems to me here that it would be an obvious opportunity for Jesus, the great teacher of teachers, uh, to come and say, Nicodemus, uh, don't marvel at being born again. All you need to do is believe on me. He didn't say that. It would have been a marvelous opportunity for Jesus to say, marvel not that you must be born again. Just have faith, Nicodemus, uh, and hold on and persevere to the end, Nicodemus, uh, and everything will be okay. But he didn't say that. He didn't say, Nicodemus, what you need to do is go find a good church body uh, and go down front and confess uh, your sins and, and repent and believe, and you can be born. He didn't say that. He said, Nicodemus, don't marvel at being born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not hear and tell whence it cometh or whither it goeth. So is everyone that's born of the Spirit of God. And that is how it works, friends. It doesn't work by our faith. It doesn't work by our belief. It doesn't work by our confession. It doesn't work by our baptism. Uh, it works by the Spirit of God finding those that were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world and coming upon them and bringing about the new birth, even if you want to say much like it did with the Apostle Paul in his day on the road to Damascus. God found him there even when he wasn't seeking after God. And that's the reason we can say today, or one of the many reasons we can say, God has a people in every kindred, nation, tongue, and tribe on the face of the earth. Whether they ever hear the gospel or not, God has them there. Our prayer is the gospel would go there, not in order to have them saved for heaven and immortal glory, but so that they might know what great thing God has done for them in redeeming them and saving them from their sins. So Nicodemus answered and said unto him, how can these things be? Now, Nicodemus, is he's, he's hearing all that Jesus is presenting, but he still doesn't understand. He says, how can these things be? And Jesus answered, <clears throat> you know, it's kind of interesting as you look at this. I don't know that he really, in a sense, gave him further explanation. He just, he just looks at him and says, art thou a master of Israel and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak that that we know. And we testify that we've seen. Jesus is telling him, Jesus says in other places, uh, he says, I don't speak anything except what the Father speaks, uh, and I don't uh, reveal anything except what he's revealed to me. In other words, when you see me revealing things, you're seeing the Father uh, and what he's taught me and, and, and to teach you. Verily, he says, verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak that we do know, testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. You're not, you're not hearing me, Nicodemus. Uh, I've told you about as simply as I can. And he goes on and says it. If I've told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you heavenly things? 
If I told you all the greatness, glory, and majesty of God and how it works, I tried to break it down so that you could see it's like the wind. He tried to give him a a natural example of a spiritual happening. And he says, he tried to tell him, he said, if I tell you heavenly things, if I tell you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven. No man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. So the spiritual birth, uh, being born again, comes from above. No man ascends. Where do we, as we sit here and talk this morning, uh, uh, loved ones have passed away. Uh, our families have passed away. References made this morning uh, to the fact uh, that they're, they're enjoying a better world. Uh, how beautiful heaven must be. Uh, that they're in a better place than this place, uh, beyond this life. Uh, and I can tell you, there's no man ascended up above, uh, but first they descended from above. Uh, the spiritual birth comes from above and comes down to me and you, and when we die, the Spirit returns back to God who gave it. Uh, and, that's how, uh, and that's how it's been taught for, thou, uh, for 2,000 years uh, uh, by those that were teaching the things and the principles of the Word of God. Uh, and so he says, No man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now, these are the two verses that flowed just before the famous John 3, 16. Uh, And we look here, Jesus, in teaching Nicodemus about these things, suddenly uh, turns and says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. You can turn back over. In fact, it's interesting, I think, uh, as we were talking last Sunday about discouragement, uh, one of the things that we brought uh, was a portion of Scripture that we find over in the book of Numbers. uh, uh, And we'll turn back over there real quickly, uh, maybe quickly, uh, uh, this morning uh, and uh, and grab a hold of those very verses uh, uh, that we were looking at. In Numbers chapter 21, uh, last Sunday, we were talking about the fact that the children of Israel, uh, in verse 4, it says they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom uh, or the Edomites where Esau's descendants lived and it says they compassed the land of Edom and the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And we talked last Sunday, I'll not re-preach that sermon, uh, but we talked last Sunday about how discouraging sometimes the way we have to travel is in this old life. and isn't it so? As I look out upon y- y'all this morning, uh, you know, sometimes it's discouraging when the little baby won't take uh, uh, the milk from you and you're there and you're the one trying to tend and care and do. Uh, sometimes it's discouraging because your loved one has cancer uh, or your parents are getting older uh, and things are uh, affected. Uh, maybe you're discouraged because of uh, your spouse is not here. He's, uh, he's working or other things that are going on in your life. All of us, through loss and death, get discouraged by the way. And it says, but here's what you don't want to do when you get discouraged. The children of Israel, it says, being discouraged because of the way they were going, it says the people spake against God and against Moses, saying, wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. 
Now, we're, now they're fussing. Not only are they complaining uh, against God and against Moses, but they're complaining about the very thing he had given to sustain them through their journey, the manna, uh, which as I've mentioned to you folks here, I, you know, as I think about manna more and more, uh, I've become amazed because I began to realize this was all they had. Yet it, yet it had to be, you know, today, if you, do y'all ever get any of these things in the mail or see these advertisements? You know, you can order this packaged food stuff, you know, and it's, it's uh, or maybe it's like a multivitamin. Everything you need in one package to take care of all your mineral needs, all your vitamin needs, all your needs, all here in one little packet. Well, I'm telling you, manna was the ultimate, uh, ultimate uh, uh, provider of everything you need because they ate it. They didn't get scurvy. They didn't get any uh, other problems, the health problems. It was the sufficient provider. But you know what it was in a sense? Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. You thought Moses gave you that manna, but it was I that gave you that manna. And I believe that manna was, in a sense, naturally speaking, was like having Christ (laughs) Uh, uh, from above. It was like they were eating the very best that there was. Anyway, so they were complaining about these things and saying, Their soul loatheth this light bread, and the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people died. Well, now they've got a problem, right? Their complaining has brought them serpents. The serpents have bit many of them, and many of them have died. And therefore, the people came to Moses. And they said, we have sinned, and we've spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. So now they got a problem. They come to Moses. Moses, please pray for us. We've stuck our foot in our mouth once again we've complained against god we've complained against you now we've got this problem pray for us moses and moses prayed for the people and the lord said to moses make thee a fiery serpent set it upon a pole and it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten when he looketh upon it shall live and Moses made this, a serpent of brass and put it on the pole. And it came to pass that if any, uh, that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he helped, uh, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. And I'm not, not going to go in. I, I love Brother Sonny's uh, teachings about the twofold nature of uh, of what makes up brass and all those things. But I'll not talk about that. I just want us to think about this morning. God took the very image of the thing that had bitten them and put it up on a pole. And said, if you will look upon, if you've been bitten, if you'll look upon this brazen serpent, uh, you'll live. Uh, uh, You know what? Looking on that brazen serpent did not save any of those people eternally. Not a single one was saved eternally. But what they had, they found relief from the being bitten by the serpent and being healed naturally by looking upon that that serpent that Moses raised up. They had to believe. Uh, uh, you wouldn't look if you didn't believe. They had to believe and look on this serpent in order to get what that serpent had, uh, looking on that brazen serpent had for them. And so uh, I, I will pitch this in uh, uh, to go with this. Two things. Uh, one, uh, all those that died before they ever came to Moses and asked him to pray for them, they couldn't look on the brazen serpent. You know why? Because they were dead. 
and dead people don't look. <laughs> dead people don't breathe. They don't, dead people don't do anything. And all those that had been bitten by the serpent had died and never looked. But those that had been bitten and were alive and needed relief, all they had to do was look on the pole and look on that brazen serpent that had been raised up. So you get the example that's, that Jesus himself is bringing forth. And as he says this, and as Moses lifted up the serpent... <clears throat> In the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish or be destroyed. That word perish, doesn't. Uh, people automatically jump to the conclusion that that word perish means destroyed in hell. That's not all the ways that you and I could perish in this old world. The children of Israel perished because they were bitten by a brazen serpent and they, uh, they were either already dead or maybe they were dead, had been bitten and didn't look on the pole. And if they didn't look on the brazen serpent that had been lifted up, they still perished. But what they did was die naturally here in this old world they didn't perish eternally for not looking on the brazen serpent Jesus Christ today is lifted up I love to think about as, uh, uh, as we sing even the song this morning uh, the power of the cross do you know you and I don't, uh, don't worship the cross we don't use the cross as a symbol. Uh, we don't sit here and glorify the cross. Uh, but I'll tell you what we do this morning. Uh, we look to the one that was raised up on the cross uh, and shed his blood and suffered and died for you and me and was resurrected and gave us the victory over death. Uh, and you and I look to that and you know what we get? We get hope to go on through this old discouraging world. Uh, and as you and I, <coughs> as we think about Jesus, uh, Jesus said, Nicodemus, uh, you can't see the kingdom uh, unless you've been born again born from above, born of the Spirit. And then he looks at him and says, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. You and I are to lift him up and to look at him and see his victory and to see him on the cross and see that in this old world, this old sin-cursed world that we live in, he is the only hope we have of overcoming our trials and troubles and problems and our old sin sickness that we face. Uh, uh, because the serpent has bitten all of us, by the way. Uh, it happened back over there in the garden uh, well, where, he, uh, where Adam fell. And because of that, you and, all, you and I have all fallen uh, uh, as sinners uh, in this old world. But in this old world, being born again first by the Spirit from above, then what we want to do is look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So having set out this example... Then he looks and says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. You know, there's a lot. I, may, I hope I get through this. If I don't, we'll, you know, there'll be another day. Uh, but he tells us here, For God so loved the world. I could dive off. I can just tell you real quickly, uh, the, wor- the word world is used several times here in Scripture. It comes from the word cosmos. Uh, you want to look it up in a Greek dictionary, you'll find there's about eight or nine different definitions uh, or ways that the word cosmos is used in Scripture. Uh, it's sometimes refer- used to refer to the world that we live in. Sometimes it's, it's used to refer to the world of the Gentiles uh, because they were a world that was different from the Jews. Uh, it, sometimes it's used uh, to talk about this, uh, this earth. Uh, sometimes it's talked about a particular group of people uh, separate from others in this old world. Uh, so he says, God so loved the world. What? That he gave his only begotten son 
that whosoever believeth in him. Do you notice that this example of believing in Jesus Christ uh, follows right after the example of Moses lifting up the serpent in the wilderness? Uh, just as Jesus was, li- uh, as the serpent was lifted up, and those that looked on, on him and believed in that in that serpent uh, uh, received the healing that they need to go through naturally through this whole world. Jesus Christ, my friends, is lifted up, and whosoever believeth in him, you know, the new, some of the new Bibles will say, whosoever will believe. That's not the context of the wording that's laid out here in the Scripture. It says, whosoever believeth in him, talking about somebody that already believes, whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Again, perish being destroyed. There's a lot of ways to be destroyed in this old world. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life you know what the word you know sometimes you think about things and maybe maybe i think about things but sometimes we don't focus on stuff you know what the word have means that's a common verb that we use it means to hold or possess and to lay hold of and so he says for god so loved the world and uh be, believing in election and predestination, I believe he particularly loved his bride. He's called out from among the world uh, and that he loved his people. But he says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Here all these references. We think about uh, uh, the only begotten son of Abraham, Isaac, the promised child. And here G- uh, God takes his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, uh, that whosoever believeth in him should not be destroyed or not perish, but lay hold on everlasting life. You know what believing helps us do? It helps us to lay hold of the everlasting life that's already been brought to us by the new birth. Uh, It helps us to see Jesus high and lifted up, victorious on that cross that he was on. Uh, For God so loved the world that he wanted us to know what he had done for us uh, here in delivering us from our sins so that we might look upon him that's been lifted up uh, and have victory uh, here while we live in this world. I I know we're going to have victory in the final world. I know that uh, when we get home to heaven, uh, as beautiful as it's going, to be we're all going to feel victorious in Christ Jesus but God wanted us to see the victory here so he had his son lifted up uh, uh, there uh, and not only did he gain the victory but you and I get to see the victory today and whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life for God sent not his son into the world <clears throat> he didn't send him into the vast uh, uh, number of humanity that had lived from Adam uh, to now he sent him into the physical world. That, by the way, that's, that word there is cosmos again. But he says, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world. That word condemn means to judge. In fact, most of the time in the New Testament scriptures, it's translated judge or judgment rather than condemn. But here he uses, the, uses it as the word condemn. He that believe, uh, For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. You know, one way I think about that is I was looking, there's many ways. I hope I'm not using this out of context since I was talking about keeping things in context. You know, if you, if you look back over to the very message that Jesus delivered when he was given, opened the scriptures to Isaiah in, uh, in the fourth chapter of the book of Luke, uh, he, goes, uh, he goes there to talk about how uh, he's come to heal the sick, the blind might see, and all those things that were there. And it, he goes to a certain point, 
and he closes the book and he stops and doesn't finish the rest of the sentence. Uh, uh, because the rest of the sentence talks about the judgment of Christ to come. Uh, Christ is coming again one of these days in judgment. Uh, he's coming uh, riding on a white horse, the Bible, the Bible tells us in Revelations, uh, uh, and he's going to come victorious. Uh, he's going to come in the clouds. Uh, he's going to come with a heavenly host of angels here, uh, and he's coming to get his redeemed and take them home. Uh, uh, but he tells us here, uh, uh, he came not to... to God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God sent his son on a specific mission this time, and he tells us, he that believeth on him is not condemned. You know what believing does? Believing keeps you from feeling that wrath and that judgment. In fact, it makes you, uh, believing causes you to feel victorious. You see him high and lifted up. He, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. You know, belief does something important for you. We talk about all the time. I, I'm thankful we believe that salvation is by grace and by grace alone, that the new birth comes by the Spirit of God blowing uh, as the wind listeth where it, where it will, where God sends it. But I'm telling you, I don't ever want to belittle belief because belief, my friends, while it doesn't give you victory uh, uh, to be able to be in heaven one of these days, victory helps to uh, believe helps you to see the victory that you have in Christ Jesus, and it helps you to overcome the wiles of Satan in this old world, and it keeps you from being condemned. You know, you, I'll be like Brother Adam now. Brother Adam will sometimes say, "Well, sometimes we say this don't believe this, and this doesn't teach that, and so forth." But it obviously was pretty important to Jesus what to tell Nicodemus about it here in this, uh, in this discourse. Uh, he said, uh, he that believeth on him is not condemned, and he that believeth not is condemned already, uh, uh, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. Now, you want to know what condemnation is? He tells us. <clears throat> and this is the condemnation, that light, ca- light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light. Because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that, doth tru- he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be manifest, that they are wrought in God. You want to know what the condemnation is? <laughs> the condemnation is, is that light. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. As long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. Uh, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. Uh, he was the light, my friends, of all time. And he says, the condemnation is, is that lights come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light. Today, it's still true. You see people that will shy away from coming to the church and hearing uh, sin preached and hearing condemnation preached and judgment preached by the things of the Word of God. You know why? Because the light shines a place on us here in this old world. And, uh, and God's light, the light of His Word, the light of Jesus Christ, it condemns our sinful natures. And men love darkness rather than light. People want to walk in the darkness many times rather than come to the light of Jesus Christ and not be condemned here in this old world. Uh, probably some more that I could say on all that, but, you know, time draweth nigh uh, to lunchtime. I want us to know that there's third chapter of the book of John. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. God doesn't desire for us to be destroyed in this old world through the condemnation of unbelief through the condemnation of not looking upon him when we need somewhere to look. There's so many people in this world that are struggling with addictions, 
struggling with troubles, trials, issues. And you know what they need? They need to look on Jesus. They need to look to the one that's able to deliver them from their trials and their troubles, their, their tribulations that work with patience, all the things that we stand in need of, God's little children, born of the Spirit, born from above, born by Him, need to look to Him for what they stand in need of so that they don't perish in the old darkness of this world. This world is full of darkness. It's full of troubles, full of trials. Jesus is the light, and He will light us up as we travel through this old world. May God bless you uh, again to have a joy, to have a happiness, to have an excitement about, I got to come to church this morning. And hear about my Savior. May God bless you is our prayer.